Hello and welcome to the Record Celtic Podcast. I'm Graeme Young and today I'm joined by Daily Record Sports writer Craig Swan. How are you Craig? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, on the pod today, we look at Celtic's 1-0 defeat against Anderlecht and now it means Europa League. But how far can Celtic go in that competition? We'll also look at Stuart Armstrong and Scott Sinclair and what's happened to them since the treble winning season last year. So Craig, first and foremost, you were there. What did you think? I think it was... Um it was a it was a, an eye opening experience for a few of the the Celtic supporters. For um, there, there was there was a feeling the style that, that Brendan Rodgers wanted uh, or, or wants to uh, to put into the team um, that would result maybe in a couple of the heavy beatings that happened to to part you know to Paris Saint Germain and Barcelona last year. But it, looking forward in the grander scheme of things, it was worth. That, you know that's the way to play if you're then going to go into games like the Anderlecht game where you can go and impose yourself on the game and the fact that it didn't happen I think was a real disappointment I think it was a real disappointment to the manager as much as anybody else um, judging by speaking to him you know I don't know whether it was he. I thought Brendan Rodgers made a fair point in the fact that Celtic started that game they were 3-0 up effectively from the first leg because it was a Europa League playoff now, it was almost like being 3-0 up at half-time in a game, and the mindset, no matter how much leeway you've got, no matter, no matter how much safety you've got, or comfort you've got with the cushion, the first thought is to hang on to what you've got. And Celtic almost started off in a kind of mode of, don't give anything away, don't give anything away. And when you hand a technically talented team, like when you basically hand them the initiative yeah. a team like Anderlecht, they were happy to take it and you know what it's like in a game Graham, any game any club any level you don't start off on the front foot you start off in first gear it's difficult to then to then catch up Celtic didn't really catch up until they got into the second half when the manager made a couple of changes yeah he obviously I think credit even though the goal happened in the second half it was a much better performance than the first half how much does the overall obviously it was a, a difficult circumstance for the, the first the first game how much does Brendan Rodgers take blame? Was it Rodgers' fault, the players' fault? Where, where does the blame lie? I don't think there are many Celtic supporters who would have looked at the starting lineup when they saw the team sheet, when they walked in the stadium and it came up on the board. I don't think many would have had any arguments with it. I don't think anybody would have said, and Sham should start before Armstrong. I think Rodgers, maybe some would have wanted Rodgers to start. But I'm nitpicking. I think generally most people were happy with the team when they saw it. Now, as the game transpired, and I suppose you can argue it's Brendan Rodgers' job to know who's going to handle the situation. And quite clearly to me, it was a, it was a mentality case for some of the boys, quite clearly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not picking on individuals, but for, uh, to use an example, Stuart Armstrong, his, his touch wasn't there, nothing was there. It looked as though mentally he just didn't seem to be at the races. He's, and, and, and in terms of his performance, he wasn't at the races. Certainly when Cham came on, there was obviously a, a shape change as well. He, he switched to a diamond to, to try and get a bit more domination in the game. And, and yeah. well, he did that in the first half, midway through. But, you know, it, it was almost as much mentality than talent for, for one or two of them. Scott Sinclair, doesn't he really... You never see him really puffing his chest out in these Champions League nights. He always looks a little bit... I don't know if timid's the right word, but he never looks as though he's going to get at someone. And... Um, but it is a big jump. You have to understand it's a big jump. Everyone has to understand it's a big jump. And I think the game the other night against Anderlecht gave everyone an indication that, yeah, Celtic are doing great, but there's a long, long, long way to go before they're at a level, even of an Anderlecht. Okay. Armstrong's one point he touched upon there. 
I think for everyone last season it was a, a real highlight the way he was able to break the lines and even the amount of shots and goals last season, 17 goals in all competitions but that that part of his game's disappeared, there was, I think the Bayern Munich home game, there were some very good runs into the box but he's not shooting on sight or it, he's not the same player maybe the last season, do you think there's any reason in particular, do you think the contract talk is that gone now and it's just on him as a player what, what's the reason for Armstrong's yeah I mean I've, I've, I think it would be very harsh to say he's had, a, he's had a bad start to the season I mean I think he's had, his, he's had, he's had several good games in the, in, in, domestically I don't think he's he's in, you know I think he's a very good game at Ibrox so, yeah, you know, exactly the game. He's, had, he's had several games that he's influenced but it's just a jump for these boys to, um, to, to go from the level of playing domestically every week to gone into the Champions League and I think it, it, it's difficult for some of them um, in terms of overall I don't think there's too much to worry about with Stuart Armstrong I don't think he's I don't think he's been particularly any worse than he's maybe not hit the heights of last year in the second half of last year but you have to remember those, those were very high heights to reach again I mean his performances in the in the last two or three months of last season were outstanding yeah. so that was a very but he set the benchmark he, for himself and that's what the manager's looking for. So, But there's real competition in there. Olivia and Charms. Yeah. It was always going to take a, a kid of his age. You know, okay, you can argue 21's not a kid, but a new country, yeah. getting to grips with a new style of football. You can see pretty quickly there's a player in the Champs. Pretty much for one of his first, yeah. one of his first two or three performances, you could see he was a player. It's just going to take him time. He might now develop through into the, the, the European player that I think Brendan Rodgers signed him to be. Yeah. He signed him to be a Champions League player. It hasn't quite happened for him, but I think there's still a player in there. Yeah. When Cham, you're saying you had a very good game at the weekend against mm. Motherwell, and obviously last night, that's obviously a good thing. I think the one maybe criticism of even games he's playing well at times is giving the ball away too often. Mm. But I think last night was a good example of a player who fits the Brendan Rodgers mould of being gallus so to speak mm-hmm. able to get the ball down and pass and the second half he was the, the big change wasn't he the way he came on changed the game he was I don't think there's any argument in that um, but again if, you, if you're going to look at the overall picture when you, uh, an example would be the game in the Allianz Arena for example where Olivier and Chan was the first man to panic mm-hmm. he was the guy you were hoping that was going to get a hold of the ball hold it in a game like that yeah, he was one of the ones who was launching it as far as he could and getting caught in possession and looked like a rabbit in headlights. So they've all had their good moments and their bad moments in the Champions League um, in, the, in the campaign which has just passed. And it'll be experiences they'll be able to use going forward. But um, I don't think it's been overcritical to say Champs probably had more average games than he's had good ones. Yeah. But I do think that ratio will change. I do think that a player will emerge because it's definitely there. It's yeah. just a case of of when he can bring it out at a consistent level but I could see him having a really really strong setting half to the season and becoming from next season on a real key player for Celtic That's very interesting for that I think there has been a, a lot of signs of that for his development I think Scott Sinclair is another player you touched upon uh, maybe not the same level in the Champions League as is domestically do you think if Patrick Roberts was fit alongside James Forrest do you think he'd be set for a spell on the sidelines or do you th- would you say so? Yeah, I just think it, even as much as just to freshen it up, um, Sinclair was 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 one of the boys who I don't think maybe un, unfair to say Brendan Rodgers didn't have complete trust in switching it around last year. I'm, I'm trying to word this properly, but basically for all the big games, he went with more or less the the, 
you could have named eight or nine of the start lineup for the bigger games when everybody was fit. And Scott Sinclair was one of the lads who basically played week in, week out last season. He's played a lot of football. It's been the same this year. He now has extra things to contend with. Being the player of the year, he gets doubled up on. Everybody knows now that Celtic's main threat is down the left, so they, they set teams up accordingly. St Johnson did a great job this year. For example, at Celtic Park, the way they set an entire team up to combat Tierney and Sinclair yep. down that side. So people are alive to it. It's making it harder for Scott Sinclair. Um, and I do think if there was a, a fully fit and firing, Patrick Roberts, obviously he's out for three months. Did he play within himself at times, Sinclair? Um, um, possibly. Um, I don't. I don't know. I would. I don't know how I would answer that question. Um, I'm not sure. I just. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that when he, you know, when he's on, he's on, and and like most wide players, when it's not happening for them, they look as though they're uninterested. That's just the nature of being a wide player. If you're not getting on it and you're not getting past your fullback and it's not happening, people look at you when when your team doesn't have the ball and they kind of think, you know, what are you doing? What what are you contributing? Where are you? But Brendan Rodgers puts a lot of store on his guys doing a lot of work back the pitch as well. So um, no, I, I certainly wouldn't accuse him of that. I just, I just don't think it's happened. In, you know, in terms of really, really at the top of his game. But again, he set high standards last year, and it's up to him to, to graft the nettle and, and, and regain them. Obviously, we're talking about Cham as a player who was a highlight against Anderlecht. But Scott Brown, in a game which was very tough, I thought his performance was excellent. I mm-hmm. thought he was the one player who was able to firefight in the midfield, especially with Hanny, mm-hmm. uh, breaking the lines and finding yeah. space. That probably won't go down in one of his all-time great moments in the Celtic jersey because of the result, but that was a pretty impressive performance on a night when he set a new record for European appearances. The thing about it is, this is where I think Scott Brown is desperately undervalued by some people in the sense that you're right to say it won't go down in most people's eyes as you know, a, a great or a night to remember. To me, that was probably one of Scott Brown's top five or ten European games. People were had their hair on fire during that first half. Anderlecht were completely dominating. Celtic players looked lost. Guys like Callum McGregor and Scott Sinclair and Stuart Armstrong, they just weren't at the races. And there was one guy who was holding it all together. And it's on... It's performances like that that make Scott Brown so important to Celtic. Not when Celtic are winning five and he's swaggering about and he's staring and he's giving people... When he's actually having to grab the whole thing and keep it going. I mean, he was everywhere in a spell in the first half. You know, he was winning things in the middle of the park. He was breaking things up. He was covering, I think from memory, a corner kick came in and kind of spun up there and he kind of ran 20 yards to Charlie, made sure he won the header. He was just trying to set the example. I thought... I thought he was absolutely terrific in a really, really tough situation, which brings out the best in Brown. He was the same in Munich. He was the only one in, against Bayern Munich in Germany who took it and kept it and did what Brendan Rodgers wants him to do. When the rest of them panicked and got rid of it, Scott Brown didn't. Now, he got caught a couple of times trying to do that, but he's trying to do the right thing and set the team on the right on the right path. I thought he was fantastic against, against Anderlecht in a terrible situation. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think with Brown's the one player when his career's all said and done I think the amount of times he's been very good to excellent in Europe will be something that will be well remembered yeah. next would be Lee Griffiths 
Uh, obviously, Edward Odson Edward scored a hat trick at the weekend, and he replaced Mr. Dembele last night. Was that a surprise to see Edward go on before Griffiths? Or it's a fifty-fifty one, isn't it? You always um, you always assume if 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 Dembele's playing that Griffiths is the immediate backup. Um, I think most people would have expected that, that you know that when Dembele got his got his hour or whatever it was, sixty-five minutes, it would be Griffiths. But I suppose um, managers always talk about playing guys in form and. Edward had just come off the back of a hat trick, so you know it was possibly almost even a reward for the for the lad that, that he'd done so well in the previous game against Motherwell when he got his chance and thought he did okay when he came on. Yeah. I suppose to answer your question, yeah, I guess pretty much everyone in the stadium is surprised when Dembele comes off. It's not Griffiths that comes on, but you can understand why. So we turn from end of Champions League, but comes Europa League football uh, for the first time. It adds a, a level intrigue. It's not the it's not been through the slog of the group stage mm. but you're in at the kind of money money stage of the tournament where are Celtic right now in terms of how, how well equipped are they to have a run or what do they need to do in January is there a chance of a couple of big victories in this tournament or does the under game show that Celtic are still a little bit away from that the latter for me um, I sat here and did a, did, a, did a podcast before the group stage started um, and there was a lot of talk about oh Bayern Munich are on their last legs and, and this is happening and, oh settings are bad and I said not being clever after the event but if Celtic <laughs> got any points in this group and got third place it would be a magic achievement and they managed to scramble through and do it I take Tuesday night's game against Anderlecht should just give everybody an understanding of and there's also this there's a fantastic myth that surrounds the, the, the second part of the Europa League that you know, oh, it's almost like you know Ross County and Kilmarnock. Yeah. I mean, the way that the tournament's structured, the way it's changed, and the way the parachute, you know, qualification has happened. That the standard of the teams in the last thirty-two, not them all, mm-hmm. but Celtic won't be seeded. Mm-hmm. So all of the sixteen seeded teams. I mean, I looked at some of the names last night. You're talking about Atletico Madrid, Arsenal. Yeah. You know, these are top, top, top quality outfits. If they get a half decent draw they might have a chance of getting through our round yeah. but I would take the same attitude as I did before the Champions League look forward to the games go and enjoy the two ties don't have any expectation because it's going to be extremely difficult talk of runs to the last eight and the last four I think are just pie in the sky do you think one after the game last night John Hartson and Chris Sutton were quite a lively debate about where Celtic are right now do you think even if it was a bigger name so to speak one of the European heavyweights is this not a really good chance for Brendan Rodgers maybe get his, finally get a, a big scalp in Europe so to speak so Manchester City last season was two very impressive draws but as we know this season the results haven't been the same but do you think even the Celtic will go far in the competition it still offers that opportunity to maybe take out a bigger name I, don't, I mean undoubtedly I mean the opportunity will be there I mean I think they're going to get a team of could they do it of decent repute could they do it if they got a team like an Arsenal or is there, is there, is there that chance on if with just the right team, the right selection, maybe a bit more pragmatic. Everything happens. It's a situation where, for example, can Motherwell beat Celtic in the Betfred Cup final? Yeah. Yes. If Motherwell play absolutely at the top of their game, everybody hits their straps, the team selection's right, they take their chances if they get them. They play as they can, absolutely at their maximum. Yeah, of course there's a possibility. Celtic have that possibility in the Europa League as well. But seeing it, thinking it, and it actually happening, Celtic have to go out and make it happen it's not just going to happen they're going to have to perform at their absolute maximum if they're going to get even through the next round it's tough 
People have to accept it's tough. It's not easy. It's not a consolation spare egg cup that you can just go and run to the last four and and, and, and revive memories of Seville and it'll be all back to the oh, charge on to the final. It's an extremely it tough competition. As a home record as well, that's something just obviously in general Celtic in the last few years from the end of the Neil Lennon era into Ronnie Dylan and it Bruno there hasn't been a lot of wins, mm-hmm. especially in the group stages tournaments. Uh, but is that do you think that home home record do you think is there any reason behind that maybe why I think I think the reason for the home record it was there was a lot of discussion about it after the game one, before one the game and after the game I think circumstances an awful lot to do with it to expand on that what I mean is Celtic played winnable games what were it, what were essentially winnable games in the Europa League for two of those campaigns I believe but there were a club on the slide at that time yeah it was under Ronnie Dylas stewardship they weren't anywhere near the levels they're at just now yeah. Brendan Rodgers has taken over he's had to take on that um, that record and, and attempt to, to, to stop it to stop the rot but even in that three years period from when Celtic were in the Champions League last to when they returned to the Champions League the standard of the Champions League completely changed when, when Neil Lennon won that group game in October 2013 which I believe was last Celtic Champions League group game Ajax. when it won Ajax I mean that was and it wasn't a, a great Ajax team it wasn't a great team, Ajax no. team that was a winnable game mm-hmm. they, they beat who else they, they beat Spartak Moscow they weren't compare Spartak Moscow to Bayern Munich Spartak Moscow I, th- I believe I could be wrong I believe they were the second seeds in the group that year yeah. Bayern Munich are your second seeds this year it's Nine the landscape of the Champions League has changed mm-hmm. if Brendan Rodgers' team that are playing just now played the Europa League ties that Ronnie Dylas team played the record wouldn't be as it is I just think circumstances changed I don't think it's a case of or Celtic have all of a sudden become terrible um, I think for example if Celtic played in the Europa League group stages this year they would have won a game or two. I think that's fair as well I think up until probably last night as well I think it was maybe a bit of a watershed moment I think Rodgers had up until that won the games against like Bershevas and Astana's mm-hmm. beating the teams not expected to but to get into the tournament and he'd come up short against the likes of PSG and Bayern mm-hmm. like last night as you touched upon at the start it was almost quite sobering in the fact yeah. there was a feeling that Anderlecht would be a team but they, they were really good last night they were, they were very good they were excellent and they have a fantastic player fantastic isn't he fantastic player they, they had them all over the pitch in fairness um, I think Celtic's only real saving grace was the fact that middle to third um, front to the, the, the final third of the pitch I'm trying to say um, they just didn't have that number real nine. quality yeah. but that's the difference between and I liked having an eight million pound striker up front. PSG having an eighty million pound striker up front. That's the difference. They just didn't have it. But in terms of technical ability and ability on the ball and the way they moved it, they were fantastic. They've got a bigger budget than Celtic. They're in a, they're in a better position than Celtic to do well in Europe. So that again gives a sense of realism. Yeah. There has to be a sense of realism through it all. But that shouldn't dilute the wish or the hope to punch above your weight and to produce a performance and there's no doubt Graham you're right I think everybody all through the club players from speaking to them last night the manager from speaking to them everyone in the club just felt meh that was a meh. I thought this may be the sign that the progress was and that was maybe just a joke to say it's not as rapid as everyone had hoped but again jump back to losing in Mulder under Ronnie Dyla and jump forward to where Celtic are just now yeah. 
they have progressed massively from there. But the rate maybe maybe Brendan Rodgers will take stock now and realise right, what am I going to do now? How am I going to go about it now? Because we still have a long way to go. Yeah, just last one on the Anderlecht game. Do you think that was say a one-off game or that was the first game in the way game was to follow? Do you think it was a different, different game? Yeah. Different game. Celtic get a result of it. Different game. Okay. Celtic play. Um, I spoke of Celtic playing with a kind of trepidation and, and, a, and a have what we hold. Anderlecht played with utter freedom. Yeah. You could tell for the minute the manager arrived on the, the Monday night, he said, oh, it's impossible. Ah, oh, no chance. Mission impossible. There's no point in being here. You just knew he was taking all the attention and all the stress off his team. They basically had absolutely nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. And so they could play with freedom. They could commit bodies. They could try things. Whereas Celtic were in a position where they had everything to lose. If that game would have been nil-nil at the start, at the start of a, of a two-legged affair, as you say, Graham, and I like when they started in that manner. No. They just sat in and tried to contain for a lot, made sure they never gave in any way. So it was a it was a circumstance had a lot to do with it. But at the, the bottom line is the main thing that had to do with it was a difference in quality between the teams on the night. So we move on to Hibs at the weekend. I think would it be fair to say maybe Neil Lennon's team in the way can set up and ability to surprise at times make them a prime candidate to be one of the teams that could potentially mm. be the one that ends the domestic they, they came very close in Parkhead absolutely the draw. Yeah. that was probably the, as close as it's uh, up until the Motherwell game but mm-hmm. uh, is that Celtic probably in the last four or five games they haven't there hasn't been a lot of high the Motherwell game at the weekend the 5-1 mm-hmm. league one but Ross County away Betfred Cup at times is a bit laboured mm-hmm. and the draw at Fur Park then last night as well mm-hmm. is, are they drew a good performance maybe with all the first 11 starting the, the do you think that's on its way at Easter Road or would it be another tricky day at the office? I think other than Rangers or Aberdeen at Pataudry, it is a brilliant game for Celtic because it'll be a crackling atmosphere. They'll turn up knowing they have to be absolutely on it. And sometimes, subconsciously, no one, Brendan Rodgers doesn't allow complacency. None of the players go out to not give 100%. But you know as well as I do, there's some games the Celtic players will know if they play 80% they're going to win them. And that sometimes leads to perhaps not as a performance that you would be looking for from Celtic. I think the example was Aberdeen a month ago when everybody spoke about, oh, this is a game, oh, this is a game where the Celtic players walked out that night and thought, really? Okay, time to go. And the performance was the best of the season. I suspect, with, let's not kid ourselves, Brendan Rodgers put a flea in one or two years the other night. I thought it was a, a very, very interesting comment when he said, I'm paraphrasing here slightly, but he, I think he said, there are one or two of my of our boys who think they're Champions League level, and they're not. You know, was basically what he said. Um, it, 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 was, it, was, it was a very interesting remark to make. It was almost, not bringing them down a peg, but just, hey lads, come on. Mm-hmm. You know, let's, let's go. And I think the players will have taken that on board it's not that they have a point to prove because my god you have 67 games unbeaten yeah. you don't have a point to prove but I do think they're going to come out all guns blazing on Sunday and I do think I think they might turn in a spectacular performance on Sunday I've got to be honest and we turn back to one of the players we spoke about Olivier and Cham mm. do you think this as you say he's, you think it's going to be a good second half of the season this is the type of game it'll be rough and tumble players in and around him do you think if he starts and plays well that will be real barometer of future success for him do you think possibly yeah yeah, yeah. could could be it's, it's, it's certainly the type of game that 
that you, you, you would like to, to, to think you could go and grasp. But again, it comes back to mentality. If we're thinking that... I get feels I'm picking on Stuart Armstrong here, but if, if the accusation against Stuart Armstrong on Tuesday night against Anderlecht was it's not his talent, it's maybe just a mentality issue. Do well, he doesn't have those problems in the Scottish Premier League. Yeah. And if you look to the way he played at Pitodre against Aberdeen, he was sensational. Mm-hmm. He was absolutely brilliant. So I maybe back in the home environment, playing against Hibs at Easter Road, mm-hmm. that's fine. He's back in, back, back where he feels at home and yeah. he will go and shine again. I think that's a fair point you made about as much as maybe Armstrong was Bopar last night. There's been a couple of Champions League games like that. I think there has been, she said, the game at Ibrox and the game at Pitodre. There has yeah. been times this season where... And I think even the hip semi-final actually did the practice game for yep. the first sixty minutes as yep. well. So, yep. do you think up up top then? Do you think it will be? Is the, do you think the belly will be fit? For the That's a fascinating one actually. That really is a fascinating one because Lee Griffiths obviously you, you would think would love to play yep. and would be desperate to do well because it's at, at, at the ground of his, of his yep. team. Dembele, you would think uh, get on the back of Pitodre mm-hmm. um, when when he's fit and available. He's he's, he's the thirty million pound guy by all accounts. Yep. So you then you think, well, it must be him. And then you look at the way Edward played last weekend, you would think he's the outsider of the three, yeah. but you wouldn't have been the slightest bit shocked if he played him because the performance last Saturday against Motherwell was outstanding yeah. and he looked all right when he came on the other night, no worse, yeah. no worse than anybody else. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's got... Flashing Brendan, no. <laughs> they, they were complaining. Celtic were complaining last year when they only had one fit striker. They were yeah. complaining when they didn't have any centre-halves. Yeah, I'm sure the manager's not complaining when he's got three strikers yeah. to pick from. Roger said in the summer uh, that he was looking at ways to incorporate at the time it was Dembele and Griffiths Sinclair's out of form maybe obviously we know how he likes to line up do you think there's a chance maybe he could go with two up top or do you think there's still always most likely just one as a the spearhead up top I'd be shocked if he went with two yeah. I think the midfield system falls down in the wide thing I think there's too many cogs in the wheel which yeah. break if you go with two up I don't think he has to play with two up I don't think he may he may do something like he did at Pitodre where Sinclair didn't play and he played McGregor off a side mm-hmm. where Rodic is a 10 and narrowed it and it was a kind of flexible system where it wasn't quite the two out and out wingers that you would normally expect it was a different type of system he might do something like that in fact I suspect that's exactly what he will do um, he may play McGregor, Rodic Armstrong, Forrest and a striker and it might just be a, a tweaking of a system as opposed to just the two wide guys out and out I think he might come up with something but I'm really looking forward to the game it's going to be a brilliant yeah, I, game because like Hibs are on fire and, and yep. Neil Lennon's just uh-huh. doing the best job I mean fantastic work he's doing there. that's it I think that's a, and obviously we're a record Celtic, a Celtic legend Neil Lennon himself I think he's a manager who going down to Bolton that first season was fantastic and he's really I think one of the best managers in the league he's just, I think how tactical flexible tactically he is compared to Maybe some others in the league, he's, he's always been able, and I think he can knows how to cause Celtic problems as well. I think that's been evident so far this season. Mm-hmm. So I think that will do us for the day. Thank you, Craig. So if you want to check us out, it's available on iTunes or Audioboom, and we're available on Daily Record online. And you can follow myself and Craig both of us are on Twitter. So it's Graham underscore Young twenty seven for myself, and for Craig it's. I, I, I prefer a letter where I stand on <laughs> Yeah. But if you do want to get me to Twitter, it's Cakeswan DR. So thanks for your time today. 